Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 77. EBRD as an institution has set itself a target of limiting non-sustainable financing to 50% of our portfolio. That means 50% of EBRD's portfolio is already green transition economy. My name is Tepesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. Today we're recording this podcast from the It for Christmas seminar in London as proud partners of ITFA. Now, the global economy is recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic and global trade has already rebounded to pre-pandemic levels, according to the WTO. But as the momentum of the recovery begins to fade, driven by inflation, supply chain disruptions, labor shortages, and new COVID-19 restrictions, what effect has this had on trade finance in Europe's emerging markets? Likewise, and in the afterglow of COP26 last month, how are traders in these markets looking at green finance opportunities? And is trade finance being served by multilaterals and international financial institutions? Joining me today to discuss some of these issues is Rudolf Putz, head of the Trade Facilitation Program at the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, also known as EBRD. Rudolf, welcome to Trade Finance Talks. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. So brief introduction very quickly. Who are you? Where are you from and what do you do, Rudolf? Uh, I'm head of EBRD's trade facilitation program, which is part of uh, EBRD's uh, financial institution team. And under this program, we support uh, partner banks in 30 countries of EBRD's operation in the development of their trade finance business. Thanks, Rudolf. And as a multilateral, what does EBRD do for financing banks in emerging markets in Europe? And does it operate outside of Europe? Originally, EBRD started uh, to operate only in Eastern Europe and the CIS countries. But over the years, uh, EBRD's um, area has expanded. We are now operating also in the Mediterranean countries, in the Southern and Eastern Mediterranean. But uh, more recently, also countries like Turkey, Greece uh, and Mongolia have joined for EBRD. Thank you. And I guess let's just take a bit of a step back. Can you talk about some of the market trends you've seen from an EBRD perspective in the past 12 to 18 months? And has appetite for that financing changed due to COVID-19? For beginning, there was a huge demand for additional trade finance. The reason was that, that uh, many uh, supply chains had been interrupted. That means uh, that uh, many trade uh, transactions could not take place, but the contracts were still valid. That means importers and exporters are asked for an extension of delivery periods, for an extension of payment periods. Importers kept higher stocks. Some commodity prices uh, increased because of huge demand by traders and importers who wanted to keep higher stocks. So all of a sudden, many importers imported more than they need because they expected a further increase of the delivery times, a further increase in commodity prices. So all of a sudden, a huge uh, increase in demand for trade finance. At the same time, lenders became more cautious because lenders expected that particularly importers and banks um, in emerging markets would be strongly hit by the COVID crisis. So a huge uh, increase in demand. Over um, the last months, demand has reduced. Um, one of the reasons is because supply chains uh, work now better than they did in the past. There is less need to keep um, high stocks of goods, but at the same time, also lenders have become more cautious. So less demand, but also less risk appetite in the market. And how does the EBRD's trade 
trade facilitation program adapt to these changing market dynamics, so say, to support some of those correspondent banks who perhaps are financed less or have less to support their corporates in, in their countries? We offer to our partner banks uncommitted trade finance facilities. That means they can uh, use our facilities whenever they need it. And we issue our guarantees only to confirming banks so that confirming banks can decide on every single transaction, do they need EBRD support or not. Or when demand uh, for trade finance increased and exceeded the risk-taking capacities of uh, commercial markets, they immediately asked uh, for more guarantees. Our partner banks asked for more financing. They asked for funding of post-import uh, uh, financing. So all of a sudden, there was more demand in the market. Now uh, we see already less demand. But as mentioned before, this is also driven by less demand by importers and also by slower and lower growth rates in the economies in which we operate. We see that many of our countries in which we operate, they have been hit by lower export revenues, by lower revenues in foreign exchange. They have been hit uh, by less uh, tourism. So there is also less money available for the import of goods into our countries of operation. Thanks. It's really interesting. Can you talk about the Green Trade Facilitation Program or GTFP and, and tell us a bit more about its aims, how it got started and, and how the project's been performing so far? For Green uh, Trade Facilitation Program, we support our partner banks in financing trade in uh, sustainable goods. And that's an interesting question because uh, until recently, goods were just goods and nobody thought about and the impact of the trade flows on environment and uh, on energy consumption. So all of a sudden, there was in the last months and years, there was increased uh, interest in financing trade with um, goods which uh, have a good impact of environment in sustainable trade in renewable energies. So under this program, we help partner banks to identify trade flows which are sustainable, which uh, support import of uh, machinery and equipment, which uh, saves energy and has a good impact on environment. Thanks, Rudolf. And just going into a bit more detail there, how integral is the role of green economy financing facilities within this program? It's a growing part of our program. We have set ourselves targets. EBRD as an institution has set itself a target of limiting non-sustainable financing to 50% of our portfolio. That means 50% of EBRD's portfolio is already green transition economy. Rudolf, so you joined EBRD in 2000 and you must have seen a lot during that time. I think it'd be fascinating for our audience for you to talk through some of the big changes you've seen, the big macro trade finance changes over the course of two decades. No easy question there. It's a very interesting question because I have been doing trade finance for 40 years, not only when I started at EBRD. But what I have seen in the last 20 years, that the market has become smaller. There are fewer players in the market now, fewer lenders. In the past uh, 20 years ago, we were working with hundreds of confirming banks. In the meanwhile, many of the smaller confirming banks, they are not so active anymore in trade finance. And one of the reasons is because trade finance has become more costly and more time-consuming due to the introduction of more stringent uh, know-your-customer procedures to the need to hold increased capital. So what we see is a market in which the number of players has become smaller, lenders uh, are more cautious and uh, more risk-averse, which means that for importers and banks uh, in emerging markets, it has become much more difficult to get access to trade finance facilities from foreign lenders, and particularly also from foreign commercial banks, because foreign commercial banks have also 
reduced the number of your correspondent banking partners. Part of a gap in risk-taking capacity in the market has been covered by insurance um, underwriters. 20 years ago, insurance underwriters were already active in covering political risk, but not so much trade finance risk. This has changed. We see more and more insurance underwriters are now uh, entering also the trade finance market by reinsuring risk, which was in the past covered by commercial banks. And I suppose if there is more trade credit insurance providers and reinsurance in the market, then hopefully that increases the amount of trade finance that could be covered in and hopefully is a good thing for trade finance. I agree with you, but it doesn't resolve the problem of correspondent banking because even with insurance cover, you need correspondent banking, you need correspondent banks. And uh, the trade facilitation program operates also in countries where our partner banks find it increasingly difficult to find correspondent banks. And in some cases, we talk about countries that do not have any correspondent banks anymore. And what can EBRD do to help support this? At first, we have to develop the trade finance business in our partner banks and help them to grow it to a level where it becomes interesting enough also for foreign, larger foreign lenders to look at them. As a borrower, you have to have a certain amount of trade finance to become an interesting partner and a borrower for foreign lenders. Uh, we also help them to increase transparency, to provide financial reports which are acceptable uh, for, for foreign lenders. We help them to become aware of the need for uh, know your customer procedures and to share information about themselves and their clients with foreign correspondent banks. Thanks, Rudolf. So amongst this, what are your other priorities at, at EBRD going into 2022? And we know you've been a, a supporter of Trade Finance Global's International Trade Professionals Program to help young and emerging leaders really develop their skills in, in international trade. So this education, what are the priorities moving forward? For priorities are market driven. So it's not surprising that uh, green uh, trade finance supporting trade flows in sustainable goods is continues to be a top priority and will become even more important in future, but also supporting our partner banks in the digitalization of the trade finance business. What we have learned during the COVID crisis was that paper-based trade finance also comes to its limits when the postal services do not operate and when couriers cannot cross the borders. So I think digitalization of trade finance will be key for success for many partner banks in our countries. Rudolf, thank you very much for joining me at the It For Christmas seminar. It's been an absolute pleasure and really looking forward to keeping in touch with you and hearing the latest from EBRD throughout 2022. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for your interest. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.